So today on this podcast, October 4th, I'm going to talk about something that I am a subject matter expert on. Other than the bulk electric system cybersecurity realm of the world where I like to think of myself as like a 5 out of 10. Uh, I'm an expert PhD in the National Football League and all things American football related. So if you are an American football fan or a football fan if you are an American, please enjoy this podcast because I'm going to dive into opinions what I think so far the first month into the regular season, and more importantly, what we should look forward to in the next several months as the league continues to dive into this regular season. So, as always, please like, share, subscribe, whatever the hell it is that you guys do. Let all your German friends know. Let all your European friends know. Oh, use the eye roll. Okay? All right, here we go. Let's dive in. So, here we go. We are one month in to the National Football League. We're a quarter in. Basically, maybe a little bit under a quarter. We're about 24% in to the regular season being completed. And... I got to say, I've been incredibly impressed, not just with my Cowboys, which I'll talk about a little bit, but with the overall parity that has taken place post-COVID. I mean, you you see some imposters in, in, in the season so far. The Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers come to mind because they haven't played anybody. They've had a really soft schedule, and due to COVID and quarterback situations, they've found themselves in these really opportunistic situations where they haven't played anybody. And then you have teams that are really underwhelming this season, like the Kansas City Chiefs, who are supposed to be like the team. Like the Indianapolis Colts with Carson Wentz. They were supposed to be significantly better. And everybody said that the New Orleans Saints were going to be better without Drew Brees because he couldn't throw the football. And then there's the Titans. There are teams that are selling themselves a little short, some that are selling themselves a little high, and then there's teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers who are as bad as we were worried that they were capable of being. So let's dig in. So Thursday night football's game, so we'll go off of the first game. Thursday, September 30th, we had the Jaguars versus the Cincinnati Bengals, and this game was way closer than it needed to be. Higgins... Their number two wideout was out. And as a result of that, the Cincinnati Bengals were one target shy of having a complete wide receiver core. And it showed. I mean, it really did. And Jacksonville was well coached defensively. This is named Miles Jack, their middle linebacker, played decent. But the Jags are not known for being a good defensive team. They've only had one good defensive top 10 defense in the last 20 years, so let's let's talk about that later. But the Jags were supposed to be heavy underdogs in this game because the Bengals have a, a, a decent defense, and they have an established quarterback who's coming off of an ACL tear, and they've got an offensive line and a decent defense, and they're at home. But in the first quarter, when it, when it was over, it was 7 to nothing Jaguars. 
halftime it was 14 to nothing and all of a sudden we're thinking to ourselves well the Jags might actually pull off an upset here and then the Bengals proceed to score 24 unanswered in the second half which ultimately leads to a 24-21 win for the Bengals and you know Joe Burrow had a fantastic game 25 for 32 348 yards and two touchdowns credit and kudos to him Trevor Lawrence had a phenomenal game himself, for the, even in the loss. But let's be honest with ourselves. Are the Bengals really a 3-1 team? I mean, are they really a 3-1 team? I, I, I would argue that they're not. They, they played the Vikings, which are trash. They lose to the Bears, who are maybe a 7-9 team. Now we call them a 7-10 team. You play a Steelers team that is just absolute garbage, and then you play the Jaguars. Favorable schedule. To me, the Bengals are fraud. They're three and one. They're they're a seven and ten team. They might win one more game than that, but this is a team that's if it does make the playoffs, it's because of that seventh seed going in and the wild card. They're they're not as good as their record says. But hey, kudos to them for at least pulling off a September um, surprise and and pulling out a three and one team. And there are other three and one teams we're going to talk about, which is next: the Dallas Cowboys. Carolina Panthers game. Now, a lot of people thought that the Cowboys would really establish whether or not they were a competitive team. They were going to be an elite team this year based on this game. And I thought going in that the Carolina Panthers were underrepresented, but so were the Cowboys. We're missing our starting defensive end and Demarcus Lawrence, who is out for like eight weeks. We're missing our number two wide receiver and Michael Gallup. We were missing some other um, players on defense. And as a whole, you're thinking, okay, this is a little even in terms of like personnel and players being missing. This, I think we're going to get a good representation of how good these teams are. Because at the end of the day, don't think Carolina's beating Dallas with Michael Gallup as the number two wide receiver. In fact, I think there's more wide open balls to CeeDee Lamb in the slot if Gallup is available. But hey, no worries. Dallas really won this game in the third quarter, and I'll tell you what happened. First quarter, it was 7-7. Seven to seven. And Dallas, by the way, was not dominant in the first quarter at all. It was like, okay, we're running the ball really efficiently. We're running the clock. Great. But we were having some issues passing the ball. Dak Prescott could have broke a record for having an 80% completion rate in the first four weeks of the season. Had he did it this week, but he wasn't able to because the Panthers schemed him. And everybody was convinced that all Dallas needed to do was pass the football because the Carolina Panthers rush defense, that's all I heard about all week, is how good the Carolina pass rush or or run uh, defense was. But who were they playing? They're playing a busted Jets team who was the second overall pick, who, if anybody knows football, the Jets have been trashed for like 20, 20 years. They played a Saints team who had one really big game, but offensively, their offensive line is suspect. And then they played the goddamn Texans. I mean, the Texans are trash. We're, we'll talk about them briefly, but they're almost like the second or first West worst team in the NFL. So the Panthers hadn't played anybody. So they go into AT&T Stadium, and then the second quarter rolls out. Carolina puts up another touchdown, and then Dallas gets a favorable uh, referee call where it should have been a fumble. It was an incomplete pass or something like that. And Dallas finds a way to make their way 
down the field and kick it uh, and get a touchdown and miss the uh, miss the field goal extra point or was it a two point conversion whatever it was. So now we're at the half and straight Michael Strahan and Howie Long and Terry Bradshaw they're all on Fox TV and they're like oh this game oh Dallas has got to do this that it should really be seven it should be fourteen to seven blah 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 blah. Well, third quarter happens and Dallas wakes up and they distance themselves in the first 10 minutes of the third quarter, notching up 20 points. One to Cooper, one to Wilson, and then they, they got a slew of field goals and they and they and they end up winning this game 36 to 28. And by the way, a couple precursors, Zeke Elliott, 20 carries, 143 yards, one touchdown. And and Diggs, Dallas Cowboys, second year corner, two interceptions. Five interceptions in four games for the young stud. If you're Dallas, year three of his contract, he's eligible for an extension. I sign him next year. Because you're not getting a cornerback for under $20 million otherwise. If you're Dallas, you're smart, you pay the man now. He's a wide receiver at the corner position. Absolutely phenomenal. Dak Prescott, I think he had just under 200 yards total passing. He was a little bit above 60% completion rating. He had four touchdowns. Four. The balance here for Dallas is ultimately you run the football, you get your 100 yards on the ground. Dak shouldn't be carrying the team. You need to be balanced. You keep your defense fresh. You get turnovers, you win. Kudos to Dallas. They are now 3-1. And And to me, they are a legitimate 3-1 team. I mean, they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home week one and almost beat them. And then they've won, they proceeded to win every other game since. And they haven't played any scrub teams. I mean, they played the Panthers, which are a good, formidable contender. And you played the Chargers. I mean, they're going to play tonight against the Raiders. And we're going to find out real quick. The Raiders are 3-0, which I think their schedule's a little bit softer than I'd like. But they did beat Baltimore and Las Vegas. Big game. But you look at this holistically and you think to yourselves, if the Chargers end up robbing a game here at home at SoFi Stadium, Dallas has got a winning record against winning, winning teams. Kudos. So then we get ourselves into Philadelphia, which is... The evil empire. I mean, everybody hates the Patriots, but I absolutely hate the Philadelphia Eagles. I hate the fans so much. Like, I absolutely hate Philadelphia Eagles fans. I have a couple that are friends that I work with. No no, no harm, no foul with them. But there's rarely anyone from Philadelphia that says, I'm from Philadelphia, that I really enjoy hanging out with. So watching them struggle this year has been really fun for me. And the Chiefs... We're one and two. I mean, this is a team that lost to a Chargers team at home in Arrowhead last week. And they lost to the Baltimore Ravens the week before. So this is a team in the first quarter of the season who had an incredibly difficult schedule ahead of them. And yet, they let this game linger for a little bit. Philly had a lead in the first quarter. Then they distanced themselves, rack up 14 points, and then proceed to put touchdowns on the board while Philadelphia matched with field goals in, in, in the next two quarters, and then were punch for punch in the fourth quarter, which ultimately left to a 42-30 to 30 victory over the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, 32 for 48, 387 yards. That's not bad. 
But let's be honest, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is going to be their Achilles heel this year. When they won the Super Bowl and won against the 49ers, they had a very surprisingly hot defense. There's a trend here. Tampa Bay did it the next year. Tampa Bay had a phenomenal defense. This year, Tampa Bay is beat to shit. They have no defensive backs. And we'll talk about that New England Patriot-Tampa Bay Buck game last. But let's be very clear. Your defense wins championships. It's just a fact. Your offense ultimately can win too. But if you don't have a decent defense, you're not going to the show. And this year, the Chiefs defense is majorly suspicious. The Chiefs should not have won 42 to 30. They should have won 42 to 14. But your defense is that suspicious that you give a, in my opinion, Jalen Hurts, who is a top 25 quarterback, 387 yards in the air. And then Mahomes obviously crushes the hell out of Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Tyreek Hill, amassing over 300 yards of total offense between the two of those guys. And you win a game. Congratulations. Kansas City. Listen, I'm a Chief fan. I got Chief stuff in here as well as Cowboy stuff. Big Chief fan. I'm from the area. But that does not change the fact that Kansas City looks like they're missing something. They do not make it past the wild card if they don't make a week eight trade before the week eight trade deadline. They need a defensive player. I go after a player. I don't even care who it is. If they're an upgrade, that you need a shot. You need an injection into that defense. Majorly suspicious. The next game is what was the Washington football team versus the Atlanta Falcons. And listen, Atlanta's another bottom-of-the-well team, bottom five. In this game, honestly, Atlanta surprised some people. I mean, I honestly thought Atlanta was going to win two games this year. And they've already pulled off a win against the Giants. The NFC East is not that formidable. Guess what? They get the they get the added benefit of playing the Jets next week. A Dolphins team that's only won one game. A Carolina Panthers team, which might get Christian McCaffrey back by October 31st. And then they play the Saints. So Atlanta ultimately could win two or three of these games, and they're not that they're not that far behind the wild card race. So Atlanta could, and, and I don't think Atlanta is beating Dallas, but they got to play Dallas the, the following week. So Atlanta sneaky at one and three. They got a really, really lucky schedule unfolding here. This could be a team that's 500 before they play Dallas. Um, but unfortunately, the Washington football team, um, Taylor Heineke, holy crap, 23 for 33, 290 yards and three touchdowns. Do you really need Ryan Fitzpatrick, Washington? I mean, if we're being honest, this guy's more mobile. He's younger. He's cheaper. Tyler, Taylor Heineke is honestly a fantastic bridge guy until you can get a guy in the first round or second round that you can mold. And then Terry McLaurin, six receptions, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Phenomenal game. This was a bout of teams wanting the ball at the last two minutes of the game, and Washington got it. They won 34-30. Not a big Washington fan. We're not going to spend too much time on that. Then you have this dumpster fire in Buffalo. Like, did anybody think Josh Allen was going to be trash this week? I absolutely did not. And I think anybody that you had to hit the over on this game. It was 40 to nothing. They just absolutely blinked the Texans 
if you're Houston, I'm on the phone. I'm trying to trade Jackson now while there's still value here and trying to get a solid first-round pick. If Tex if the Texans don't try to trade him now, you might never get your residuals on that trade. Josh Allen, 20 for 29, 248. Whenever you see quarterbacks in this league throwing for under 300 yards, they usually win the game. That means they're balanced. You never want to see a team with a quarterback throwing for 400 yards. It means it's a shootout. It means their defense is mad sus, and they're not going to get you any, any, any representation on defense. So whenever you see a quarterback just playing a textbook game, they're usually a really good football team. Bills 40 to nothing. Lions, Lions, Bears. Lions and Tigers and Bears. So the Lions are 0-4. They lost to the Bears. It's not like the Bears are amazing, but Detroit cannot get out of their own way. I feel bad for Jared Goff. He played for the Rams. He's a solid middle-tier quarterback in the league. I would say he's probably ranked around 18th. 24 for 38, 299, and two touchdowns. This guy's a product of being in a system in, in, in L.A. that he could have really flourished in, but... He pissed the wrong people off. You know, McVay's a guy that wants results, and he will trade everything to get what he wants, and he did that when he went and got Matt Stafford. And Detroit is what we thought they were. They are a team with a solid left tackle, a decent running back, but they don't play defense, and they are not balanced on offense. You don't want to pay anybody to catch the football either. Ultimately, this game was just the Chicago Bears imposing their will early. It was 14 to nothing at the half, and there was nothing that the Lions could do to dig themselves out of the game because they were chasing a score there at the end. The Bears beat the Lions 24 to 14. Detroit has the, one of the worst records in the league, if not the worst record in the league. Next, we have the Colts playing the Dolphins. The Colts, by the way, Carson Wentz. Um, He's been hurt a little bit. You can't really look at it, but who have they played? They played the Seahawks, and they didn't play them close. They almost they played the Rams close and lost. They played the Titans and don't win. And they played in, in Tennessee, so that's a big deal. Okay, They played in Nashville. And now they play the Dolphins and put up a big dub, 27-17. Dolphins look really bad, by the way. But now you got the Ravens. <laughs> On primetime television. The Ravens have already had three primetime games, by the way. Like, this team is seasoned. Ravens win this next this game upcoming week on 10-11. Uh, this week, they're going to lose by at least 12 points. The battle of the former Baltimores. We'll call that that. The former Baltimore Colts versus the Baltimore Ravens. But the Colts won this game. And it's not like Carson Wentz was like, oh my god, amazing. Okay. He was 24 for 32, 228 yards against a mad, suspicious uh, Dolphins team. And yet it was still really close, but there was some garbage time scores by the Dolphins. This was never close. The Colts win 27-17. to 17. If I'm a Browns fan, I'm really nervous right now at 3-1 because Kirk Cousins <clears throat> played a, a really boring ass game 20 to 38 203 yards and a touchdown you are missing a couple stars on offense and you only win this game by a touchdown and you only put up 14 points the browns honestly 
in Minnesota, they're going to play you close. I, I wasn't really a fan of this game. In fact, I would think that the Cleveland Browns, if you're a fan of the Browns, I'm a little nervous about this game because it's a huge indication of how you play against bad teams. One in three Vikings, <clears throat> who, by the way, um, they're not surprising anybody. They lost to the Seahawks. They, they beat the Seahawks because the Seahawks get in their own way. But this is a team that loses the teams they're supposed to lose to. And the Browns? <laughs> I don't know. I think the Vikings, unfortunately, they just don't know how to play situational football well, the Vikings, and that's what lost them this game. 14-7, to nothing remarkable. There was an upset, though, this week. <clears throat> the NFC East doesn't look as least as it used to. The 1-3 Giants, who are now 1-3, who came into this game 0-3, beat the Saints in OT, 27-21. Daniel Jones, 28-40. for 40. 402 yards. Kenny Galladay, the former Detroit Lion that the Detroit Lions didn't want to pay. Six receptions, 116 yards. This was a shootout late in the game. Giants put up 11 points in the fourth quarter, which took it into OT to win. And the Saints are now 500. I like Jameis Winston. There's more going on here than I like to leave, but Alvin Kamara, 26 carries. Holy crap. 120 yards. Another upset special. Titans versus the Jets. Titans just lit the Jets play close. 3 to nothing in the first quarter. Then it was 9 to 7 at the half. Then they don't put up any touchdowns and the the Jets bring it in within a field goal. And then in the fourth quarter, they just squander opportunities and it's 27 to 24 in overtime. The Jets, Ryan Tannehill, was the only... <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill played an almost perfect game. I mean, he played Tennessee offense. 30 for 49, 298. He did not throw any interceptions. Derrick Henry, 33 carries, 157 yards. How did they win? The Jets just played the game, and they just stuck around. Okay, so <clears throat> game of the week, other than the Cowboys game. Cardinals versus the Rams. Everybody was like, oh, the Rams are the team to beat. They're the team to beat. I mean, after all, they just blew the doors off of Tampa Bay by 10 last week, right? And you're playing at home? The Rams are favored in that game. Smart money would have been to put it on the cards. Matthew Stafford, 26 for 41, 280 yards and a touchdown. But Chase Edmonds, 12 carries, 120. Rookie running back, I believe. Van Jefferson. Rams wide receiver, six receptions, 90 yards. But I think what's the most surprising here is how effective Murray looked with the football. Kyler Murray was just mobile. He made critical first down decisions, third down decisions, ultimately led to first downs. Just like the Cowboys with Mike McCarthy, the, the, the Rams defense made some horrible, horrible, horrible third down decisions that ultimately led to first downs for the Cardinals. And the Cardinals win this game in a blowout, 37-20. to 20. I don't think the next game in Phoenix is this close. But let me be very clear about Kyler Murray. He is an MVP frontrunner right now. It's really close. But what he has done 
in the first month of the season against talent is impressive. The fact that they won 37 to 20 against the Rams is an indication of that. And here's the thing too. They play the 49ers next week without Garoppolo. They play the Browns who I just told you played the Vikings real close. They play the Texans, which are the worst team in football. And you got three more wins under your belt. You this team could go easily go seven and zero before we're even having a conversation. As far as Matt Stafford's concerned, he didn't do anything to lose them this game. This came down to defense not being able to stop the Cardinals. That's point blank. They overcommitted. They did too many blitz schemes. They attacked the a gap like way too much, and that's. Kyler Murray all day. He's just going to dump the ball over your middle linebacker if you're going to bring heat in the center of the field. And if you do break the guard pass protection, he'll just roll outside and get a first down. He's that fast. If I'm the cards, um, Kyler Murray is never going to be as good as he is right now. This is as good as he's ever going to get. I mean, they only get slower after 25. So ride this pony to the end. Seahawks 49ers. The 49ers had this game to win. I mean, this was the 49ers game to win. They were up and then they weren't. You lose Garoppolo um, and that really hurt them. I mean, the fact that, you know, he got hurt really threw the, the equilibrium off and there just was not enough to get back into this game. To me, it was it was a clear indication that This is a team that Trey Lance cannot carry. He's not reading defenses. He made a couple plays here and there, but it was street football, like the the sportscasters said. They weren't really playing fundamental football on offense, and had they found a way to do that, they probably would have won this game by a couple scores, but that's what happens when you lose your starting quarterback. And Trey Lance, he's a while. He's got some time. We're down to the last three games. Five more minutes in the podcast. Just hold on. Ravens, Broncos. Broncos are a team that have not played anybody. They put up seven points against the Ravens, 23. But who have the Broncos played? The Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. Bottom four teams. Everybody thought the Broncos' defense was phenomenal. They were decent. They only gave up 23 points. The problem is, you lose Teddy Bridgewater to a concussion. Drew Locke comes out. He's trash. And Lamar Jackson... Looks like Peyton Manning, 22 for 37, 316 yards and a touchdown. Made one really phenomenal throw to Marquise Brown. Game's over. Ravens win in Mile High. Not the former Mile High Stadium, which is a mile high. Broncos, middle-tier football team, folks. If you're a Bronco fan listening to this, please don't get your hopes up. Let's wrap it up. Steelers-Packers. Ben Roethlisberger, if there's anything you take from this podcast today, Ben Roethlisberger is done. Put a fork in him. Retire that pony. He made He's made some really bad decisions against the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals last week and then made some more last week. Aaron Rodgers, boring game, boring game, run game was boring, passing game was boring, but they played sound football, ran the clock, and it was a short game. 27-17, Packers over the Steelers, who were playing hard until the end. They just couldn't get it done. And then last, the remaining three minutes we're going to put into the Patriots-Bucks. I should put more time into it, but I am on the clock. 
To me, this game should have been much higher. Buccaneers um, have a, a, a better defense when they're healthy, but they had no defensive backs. They were down to like people off the street. Richard Sherman played this week. He didn't. He wasn't on the Tampa Bay Bucks last week. He was starting. Um, on top of that, um, it was raining and a little wet. Tom Brady a little nervous. Mac Jones played a better football game than Tom Brady. Just one pass over 500 throwing the football, only 250 yards for Tom Brady and a touchdown. Not very impressed with Tom Brady's overall performance, but he did play great situational football, which ultimately led Falk, the Patriots kicker who like threw like kicked like 40 field goals in a row to kick a 56-yard field goal with the win in rain to lose. 19 to 17 Buccaneers. There's all this like kumbaya of Tom Brady-esque and winning against all the NFL football teams and beating the evil empire and Bill Belichick. But here's the thing. This was an emotionally exhausting week for Tom Brady. I would say him winning his seventh Super Bowl in Tampa Bay and then beating Bill Belichick and proving all the management in New England wrong was critical for his mental health. This game meant everything to Tom Brady, but he looked like an average man against that New England defense, which is very good. But the New England Patriots, I feel bad for him. You lose to the Dolphins, which you shouldn't have lost. You lose to the Saints, which you shouldn't have lost. You now play the Bucks. You can go back and relive this, but you're going to be two and three against Houston, and then you got Dallas at home. Uh, the Patriots have a tough schedule ahead of them, um, probably one of the toughest um, moving forward. You're one and three. You have the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Panthers, which will be healthy when they play them. You've got Cleveland. You've got Tennessee. You've got Buffalo twice. I mean, this is a team that's not making the playoffs, folks one guarantee I'm going to make this year. New England Patriots will be short a game to make the playoffs because they lost three games in the first quarter of the season. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I love football, so I could talk football all day. Um, I hope you guys have a meaningful week and enjoyed the segment. Like always, enjoy. Everybody love everybody. I'm out. So I want to give you some bonus content here of teams I think are going to make the playoffs. I think it's important to understand that you watch Fox Sports, you watch ESPN, you watch CBS Sports, and these guys like to give you their analysis of teams that they think are going to make the playoffs. And it's a really, really, really early season to to make these assessments. But I'm really basing this off football, the, the schedule... And the games that have been won thus far. And then the depth. The depth of teams. And and I wrapped up the last podcast segment really with the intention of not doing another one. But I felt like it was important because the Patriots aren't making the playoffs. Even in the AFC. Because there's just too much going on in the AFC West for a wild card to be filled by a New England Patriots team that just has a really tough schedule ahead of them. So I want to just start 
off by saying that this is nothing more than a guesstimate, but I think it's a very accurate one. Also note that there are seven teams that are allowed to make the playoffs now. So this is a huge deal for teams that traditionally um, find themselves on the outside looking in more so than looking out. And it makes that bye week so much more important. So here we go. So we went over Monday's October 4th game, um, this t- which is today, the Raiders and Chargers. They're playing in Los Angeles, and I don't think whoever wins this game is... I think they're both in the playoffs, frankly. I think the Raiders are undefeated. They're on the road against the LA Chargers team that is and 2-1 and beat the Chiefs. And to me... Looking at Justin Herbert, I think they're a wild card team, and I think the Raiders, at the very least, are a wild card team. So to me, this is a team that, this is a game that indicates both are in the playoffs, and I think they they will play a very good game tonight. We will find out a lot about the line tonight because LA is favored in this game by three points. So if, if the Chargers end up winning this game and both teams end up 3-1, and one, this ends up looking really bad for the Chiefs because they really want the Chargers to go 2-2 two and two here because the Raiders are just going to continue to gain momentum with a very diverse roster with Derek Carr, who has had 88 of 136 for over 1,200 yards and six touchdowns, and his interceptions are all but non-existent. So... Raiders and Chargers in the AFC so far were in the in the in the in the roundup of those two teams making the playoffs. We talked about Thursday's September 30th game, the Jags and the Bengals. I think both of these teams missed the playoffs because of the AFC West. You know, you talk about the divisions and how strong they are. You're gonna see a lot of representation with stronger divisions with this new seventh team. It's gonna be usually a third team in a division. That wasn't a very formidable formidable division that just missed the opportunity. You'll see a lot of 11-5 or 11-6 teams um, in this case because we had the 17th game make it in, and they might actually make a solid run. Teams that normally would have made a Super Bowl run if there were seven teams in the past, you're going to see that more frequently because you you want to talk about the year Matt Castle was the quarterback for the New England Patriots and Tom Brady had his torn ACL. Um they would have made the playoffs in that in that vein and had they done that I think they would have been a nightmare in the playoffs I just don't see the Jags or the Bengals doing that because of the AFC West and because of that I'm not even going to talk about either one of these teams the Panthers and the Cowboys so to me even though the Panthers are three and one they've had a very easy schedule and they just lost their first game against a winning opponent of real ramifications and because of that, I right now have them on the bubble, but I see them on the outside looking in and the Dallas Cowboys in the actual division play playoffs. I see them as a wild card number four at the very least, as high as a one, but I'd like to see them against the Green Bay Packers team or see them against a team that's a little bit more established who's beat some teams rather than the Panthers. So to me, Panthers are on the outside looking in, Cowboys are on the inside looking out here we go with the chiefs and the eagles eagles are obviously not making the playoffs but to me the chiefs are going we're going to find more and more throughout the season what this team is made of because again you allow 30 points against a busted eagles team that shouldn't have put up 30 points and because of that you're facing a very tough schedule 
And for me, the Chiefs are a safe bet to make the playoffs. But I'm going to say they're on the outside looking in. They're in a bubble just like just like the Panthers. I think that they've really set themselves up for failure early on in the season. They have a really tough schedule, and that defense is already injured. They're going to have a really tough time beating teams that are even remotely good, and you're in the AFC West. So like, even if you do make the playoffs, you're a wild card because I don't think that you're going to be able to beat enough teams throughout the regular season to be anything short of that. So to me, Kansas City is very underwhelming up to this point, but I kind of forecast that at the beginning of the season anyway had they, because they won't lay lost the Super Bowl. So for me, having given up 387 yards to Jalen Hurts in a game that they should have won, yes, it wasn't a home game. They should have won by more than 12 points. The Raiders versus the Falcons. Falcons are not in the playoffs, but they could surprise some people. I think they're just like the Panthers. They're on the outside looking in. They have some potential here. They're going to have to get hot in the second quarter of the season to even have a conversation of being 4-3, and three, of making the playoffs. But to me, the Washington football team is another team that's really on the outside looking in because they're not established. They've went 2-2. Two and two. They haven't really beat anybody that's any good. And to me, they're just not established enough. To me, the Falcons at 1-3, and three, I think they're going to be a lot better than 1-3 and three at the end of the year. I think they're going to win seven or eight games, but they're just not going to be able to get into the playoffs with that schedule because we're about ready to get into the cruxes of the AFC West, NFC West, much like the NFC West. Um, the Buffalo Bills and the Texans. Obviously, the Texans, Texans are probably the worst team in the NFL. I think we're going to see that throughout the entire season. Mills is their starting quarterback. They don't have much of an identity. They don't play any defense, and they lost to the Bills by 40. I mean, anybody that can get blanked like that clearly suffers from suffers on offense. To me, it's a pretty standard yes. The Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, are probably the best team so far this season at 3-1 in the AFC. So we get into the Detroit Lions-Bears. I don't think, I don't think either one of these teams makes the playoffs. Um, I'm really discriminating against the NFC this year, and you can look at the schedule so far. The NFC looks really difficult. I mean, you got a lot of teams that are going to have a run at this late in the season with teams that are at 500 right now. I mean, I just told you the Washington football team's 2-2. Two and two, The Bears are 2-2. Two and two. I mean, a lot of these teams are trading punches. And to me, it's really indicative of the quarterback play and rookies. Rookie quarterbacks have only won three games all season, and I don't see the Bears really going back to Justin Fields unless they have to. And I don't think looking at this whole entire game as a as a whole right Andy Dalton provides any value I think they win five more games this season I don't think Chicago's making it to the playoffs and Detroit at 0-4 they're in the bottom five absolutely not so the Colts and the Dolphins is a really tough call because even though the Colts are one and three and just won their first game against the Dolphins they are facing the Titans who just lost to the Jets in overtime yesterday and to me the Titans are the clear favorite to win that division, and I don't think another team's going to make it out of the wild card. So looking at that holistically, I think the Colts are on the outside looking in, but they have every opportunity to make that call. I think Tennessee is the favorite. And so far, if we're looking at the AFC as a whole, I've said that the Raiders are going to make the playoffs, the Chargers are going to make the playoffs, I've said the Bills are going to make the playoffs, and I know that the Tennessee Titans are going to make the playoffs. So it really leads to the Ravens at the five spot. And 
I mean, there's two more teams there that could really make the bubble, and I think that this is one of those teams that can make the bubble, but they're going to have to win some games here late in the season, and because of that, I think the Colts are on the outside looking in, but I think they're a, they're a solid six or seven in the playoff hunt if they can get to that point. Browns, Vikings. Vikings are done. I mean, to me, the Vikings have proved that they're not capable of closing the deal on any team, and as a result of that, Losing to the Cardinals, having lost to the Bengals, having, you know, found themselves losing to the Browns. They're going to go out and beat Detroit next week, probably. And then they play the, the, the Carolina Panthers, who are a lot better than what happened yesterday. To me, it's pretty clear that the Cleveland Browns will make the playoffs as a wild card. They'll probably end up tying the Baltimore Ravens, and they'll both make the playoffs there in the AFC. So for me, Browns make the playoffs, Vikings don't. Giants Saints. So to me, the Giants and Saints game is really indicative of a schedule that you didn't know who, how bad the Saints were, or how good the Giants could be. And to me, both these teams are bottom well, top ten, bottom ten teams. The Saints are going to upset some teams this year because they're just good enough to be annoying, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, not in that division. The Giants are not making the playoffs either. So to that end, we'll just next those two games. Maybe, maybe not. Titans, Jets. Titans are going to make the playoffs, but because they're in a really bad division with the Houston Texans, who have not really accomplished much, the Indianapolis Colts, who have only won one game, and oh, by the way, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 0-4. There's not a really high ceiling. 2-2 two and two might as well be 4-0 in this division. Titans win this one by two or three games at the end of the season, and they get themselves a wild card divisional, a wild card home game. Cardinals, Rams, both these teams make the playoffs. Okay, Cardinals are that good, four and zero. Rams are three and one, but they're that good. Both teams are gonna kill each other in the regular season. Both these teams don't get her. I think that Kyle Murray, Murray has the clear advantage at this point. And as a result of that, I think that these two teams, much like the AFC West, it's a very heavy division. I see the Cardinals here making the playoffs and could potentially be the number one overall seed in the NFC. And I'm not just saying that. Kyler Murray has to stay healthy. But if he stays healthy, this team is number one or number two at the end of the year. And to the Rams, I think that everybody was sold on the Rams last week because they beat the Bucs. But I don't see the Rams as that well-rounded. I think they're lacking a consistent run game. They pass the ball too much, and I think teams that run the clock, run the tempo, and ultimately run the the course of the game, and you need a really good defense, which the Rams do have, to counter the run. There's only been one team that can really shut down the run, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are formatted to beat a team like the Cardinals or the Rams because of that run defense. Forcing teams to pass the ball uh, turn, turns the ball over more frequently and ultimately stops the clock, which lengthens the game. And to me, both these teams are really good, but they're not going to have an easy time beating teams that can run footballs because if you can run the rock, it's going to make a big difference. Seattle 49ers. So, I think the Seahawks are on the outside looking in just barely. I think they have a chance here, but it's going to be really tough because to me, Seattle, they really should have beat this. This this Trey Lance should not have um, made this close, but he did somehow. And he's going to have some growing pains. 
And I think the 49ers are going to stick with Trey Lance and bench Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo is done being a 49er after that injury. I think it's too frequently, too often, and they're really good with him. But now that Trey Lance is the quarterback for the next few weeks, if he can if he can squeak out a win or two here over the next month, I think we don't talk about Garoppolo anymore. I think he ends up going to a team that needs a quarterback and is willing, like the Broncos. I think the Broncos would go after a Garoppolo real quick. And for me, just looking at his face availability is really, really a skill. And I just don't see the 49ers making the playoffs this year. I think they're a game shy, ultimately leading to them not making the playoffs. Ravens, Broncos. Broncos are 3-1. and one, But they still have to play Oakland. They still have to play Kansas City. And they still have to play the Chargers. And oh, by the way, they still have to play the Cowboys. I mean, this is a team that's got a tough schedule on their hands. They got to play a Washington team that's no pushover, by the way. And I'm not confident that they can even beat the Steelers. So to me, the Broncos at three and one are a pretender. I think that they, again, win three or four more games. But I don't think in this AFC they're going to make a real push outside looking in. Steelers not making the playoffs. Too many questions. They're going to have a lot of um, short West Coast offense plays. Packers, on the other hand, will make the playoffs because it's Aaron Rodgers and he's all about relaxing well into the regular season. He will get an MVP consideration by the time this is all said and done. As much as I don't like Aaron Rodgers, he's just that good at tailoring drives. The Bucks, The Buccaneers, to me, are an obvious playoff contender. Um, they're going to shoot in there and make make some really good plays. So to me, the Buccaneers make the playoffs because they got Tom Brady. Patriots are out, not making the playoffs, mainly because they started 1-3, and three, and they have a tough, tough slew of games here. They could very easily be 2-6 and six by the time we get to the halfway point in the season. That's how tough their schedule is. So let's wrap it up. Let's talk about teams that are going to make the playoffs. For the AFC, Raiders, Chargers, Bills, Browns, Titans, Ravens, and the outside looking in team that I said that may or may not make a run, the Colts. NFC, we're going to go with the Cowboys, Redskins, Washington football team, Cardinals, Rams, Green Bay, Buccaneers, Seattle, outside looking in seven seed. Those are my predictions. Everybody have a lovely remainder of the day.